So the title of this message today would be, Anything Worth Having is Worth Working For. Anything Worth Having is Worth Working For. And it went right along with the Sunday School lesson today. I didn't know that because I don't, I don't read the Sunday School lessons before we get there. I just show up and hear the teachers. So we have some awesome teachers. How many of you all know that? Amen. Amen. So Anything Worth Having is Worth Working For. We've all heard this before. I think the first time I heard it was maybe my grandpa had said this and, and and it's so true and and a lot of people though want the want the reward without the work and when brother Stefan called me or texted me this morning and said that he believes someone was going to be delivered today I had been struggling since some time about my message being a little shorter so that played right out and with with God being he's going to deliver somebody today because he will give him all the time he wants to take how many of y'all know that we go to a church where we can flow with the spirit and if anybody don't like that you're in the wrong church so um a lot of people want the reward though without the without the work right so this this everything be if it's worth having it's worth working for it applies to things it applies to your body first off let's talk about things though you ever see when you were younger when you were in high school i remember in high school and i'd see kids get new shiny cars amen I remember one kid that got a new Mustang, and it had a Paxton Pro Charger on it. He was about 17 years old, probably. And you know what he did with it? He wrecked it. He jumped it, and he, he jumped a curb and went through a, a camper, an RV-style camper. And you could see the perfect shape of the car right where it went, right through the middle of the camper. And then in a few weeks, his daddy bought him a new Mustang. Amen? Didn't appreciate that first one because he didn't do anything to pay for it. He didn't have to work for it. It was handed to him. And so many times when something's handed to us, it's just too easy. We come by it too easy, we don't appreciate it much, right? You see that with, with kids all the time. When you, when you get them something, if, if you just give them and give them and give them and give them, they don't take very good care of things. We don't take very, very good care of things sometimes. Amen? When they're handed to us too easy and we, haven't, and we haven't worked, we haven't sweat for that thing. So it applies to things, right? It applies to your body. Now, think about a pro athlete. They start out from the time the little kids playing games, but it's not just games for the ones who become professionals because they eat the right things. They're on the right diet, right? They, they, they lift weights. They, they do workouts. They build muscle. They build stamina. They run, and they do all these things that aren't very much fun just so they can be better at the thing that they love to do. Amen? They practice, practice, and practice, and practice, and practice. And when one sport's over, they play another sport, right? Because they're working for something. It, 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 it affects relationships. It, it applies to relationships. Think about your family. What you put into your kids is what you get out, right? What you put into your marriage is what you get out. Amen? How many of y'all know that marriage is work? It doesn't come easy. You see, the, you see some older people who've been married for 50 or 60 or 70 years and think, oh, that's great. But think about all the trials and things they went through to get to that point. Anything worth having is worth working for, right? They, they didn't just get the prize at the end. They had to go through all the trials and, and the work. So it applies to family. It applies to your friends. What about your relationship with God? Is it worth working for? Anything worth having is worth working for. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says, <coughs> 8, 28 and 29, are you all there? It says, and we know that all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord to those who are called according to his purpose. And I'm going to get back to his purpose in just a minute. But the, to those who are called according to his purpose, how many of you don't want everything to work together for your good? We all do, right? We all want everything to work together for our good. But there's things that we have to do. There's steps that we have to take. There's sacrifices that we have to make to have everything work together for our good. 
Amen? Because we're called according to his purpose, and we'll get to that in a second. For whom, ye, for, for, for whom he foreknew, think about this, God knew you, who, who you were before you came out of your mom's womb. Before you ever conceived, God knew who you were. God knew you were going to be here on this day. He gave a lot of people the measure of faith to come to him. How many people received it? How many people accepted it? How many people stuck with it? How many people did the work? Amen. He knew that you would be here on this day before he ever formed you. Before he ever formed the earth, he knew that you would be here on this day. <clears throat> he also predestined to be conformed or to, to be conformed to the image of his son. So he's our example, right? Jesus is our example. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So if Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren, he's our example, we're supposed to strive to look like him. How many of y'all know that's going to take some work? None of y'all look like Jesus, right? I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about in our actions, the things that we do. None of us, none of us have the relationship with God that Jesus had. So it's going to take some work, right? We're called according to his purpose, it said there. So uh, what are we called to do then? What's God's purpose for us? It's to have a relationship with him, right? To be the salt and the light of the earth. To be his ambassadors. To serve as part of the body of Christ. To serve in the church, I'm talking about. It's not all up to the pastor to make sure the lights are on and the floors are swept and, and, and all those things. And, and my wife and my family to clean the toilets and, and, and to go out and minister to other people and, and, and to organize things and to, and to teach all the Sunday school. It's not up to us to do all those things. We're all here because God placed every member in the body as it pleases him. I'm not going to harp on that too long. Y'all know what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Jesus did all these things. Did he not? Think about it. He worked, he went out and ministered, he did all these things, and he gave his life for us. So how do we get there? How do we look more like Christ? In, in Acts 2, 38 and 39, the first step, Peter said, is as soon as, you, you all know what happened, we used the scripture last week. So he says, then Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and all that are far off, as many as our Lord God will call. We're called according to his will, right? You're called if you're sitting here. I know that every person sitting here today believes in God, right? So he gave you the measure of faith to even be able to believe in him, so you're called, right? This word, this word repent, though, he says to them, repent. So that the first step in our, Christian, in, in our Christian faith is to repent. Well, not the first step, because God has to give us the measure of faith first, right? And then we're convicted. We're convinced that he's real. We're convicted. We know that we have sin on us. We know that we need a Savior, so then the first step that we take after that is to repent. Amen? And this word repent in the Greek means to change one's mind, i.e. to repent. To change one's mind for the better, heartily to amend with adherence of one's past sins. So we're not going to adhere to our, la our past sins before. When we start to think differently, we're going to act differently. We're going to look differently. Right? My life looks nothing like it did before I came to God. No one should, amen, because we're not going to adhere to those old sins anymore because our, our actions change because our minds change, right? We have different thoughts. I have different interests now, amen? I want to do different things and hang out with different people and accomplish different things and, and, and help people and, and all those things. I want to do things differently. That's how we begin to, that's how we begin to look more like Christ is, is through changing our mind. Our thoughts have to be different. Your actions will never be different if, if, different if your thoughts are still the same. 
Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We have to put down the things that we've always wanted to do. Amen. The things that we want to do before we came to God, we've got to sacrifice those things. Lay them aside. No more living in the natural. Amen. Become more spiritual as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We have a service to God for his will, right? To do his will. We were called to do his will. Reasonable service. And two says, and, be not, and do not be conformed to this world. That's hard for a lot of us to do right there. Because we come into God, we come into church, and it, but, it, but it's so easy to get back to the flesh. I'm going to get to that in one second. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind has to look differently, right? Anything worth having is worth working for. But to get your mind changed, it's going to take some work. <clears throat> by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, Right? In Romans 8.28, it called it according to his purpose. Now we're talking about God's will. Wouldn't you think that God's will and God's purpose are right along the same lines? Right? So what he wants us to do. It's easy to go back to the flesh, but we all need work right here, right? New Christians and more mature Christians alike. We all have to work on our thought process. Because we can get in our word for a while. We can study. We can read. We can put on the armor of God. We can do all those things. And then we slip and mess up. And then we get busy with life, and life happens, and, and you all know the deal. Things happen, or someone offends you, or someone makes you mad, or whatever it is. You just get busy. You forget to spend your time with God. Wherever it's at for you, fill in the blank right there. Mine is my time. I, 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 I am not good with my time. I have too much stuff going on to get everything done, right? So God gives us, talking about going back to, to salvation and your thoughts, isn't it ironic that he calls it the helmet of salvation? The helmet of salvation, a helmet to put on your head to protect your thoughts. The, the, the number one place that the enemy is going to attack you is in your mind. So we have to get on our helmet of salvation every day to protect our thoughts, to protect our mind. He's going to come against you. He's going to oppose you. He's going to oppose all of us. Don't think that you're above that thing. He's going to oppose us. And then he gives us a shield of our faith, right? He gives us the faith, and then he says, you, you, you protect your, your head with your helmet, and then you have your shield of faith, right? But our faith has to be in God. That seems pretty simple, have faith in God. The Bible says that, have faith in God. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? But look at your life today. What's your faith in? What's our faith in? Because if we have faith in God, we're relying on God. We're leaning on God for everything, anything and everything. We, we know that he is the source, not a source, when we're relying on God, right? Because we'll have faith. We've got faith in something. Everyone's got faith in something or someone. But we have to make sure that our faith is in God. That should go without saying. It should, you know, when we say have faith, that's not enough information. You have to have faith in God. And how do you know you have faith in God? You agree with God. When we have faith in God, we agree with God. We have to get into his word, learn his word, agree with what his word says, right? Confessing his word over our lives, over the lives of our loved ones. Y'all are quiet today. <laughs> James 2, 14 through 19 says this. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Think about that. Can faith save him? You can't be saved by faith. God gives you the measure of faith, but you have to confess your faith, right? 
You have to confess that God, God, his, his son died on a cross for your sins. You've got to confess that you needed saving. You all know the things that we believe in here. So, so just by believing merely alone, you're not saved. You have to confess it with your mouth. It takes works. It takes you. Do, and I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that you can earn your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there is works that goes along with your salvation. If, my, if a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of food, 16 says, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? 17 says, thus also faith by itself does not have works. Also, the faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. There are things that go along with our faith. God gave us the measure of faith, but we've got to do something with it. We've got to, we've got to, work, it, 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 we've got to work through our salvation, right? But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works, right? You judge a man by his fruit, right? Because you can have all the faith in the world. No one's ever going to see it. Amen? You can set on your faith and nothing's ever going to happen with it. We've got to have works that go along with our faith. You believe that there, that there is a God, well, do you? Even the demons believe and tremble. It goes on down into verse 26 and talks about Abraham and how Abraham was made righteous by his actions. Abraham could have said at the house, God could have spoken to Abraham and said, go sacrifice your son. And he could have said, I believe God would save my son and said at the house. And what would have happened for Abraham? He may have lost his son in some other way. I mean, who knows what would happen for Abraham? But it said he was made righteous by his actions because he got up the very next morning. He didn't let any time pass. He got up and loaded that boy up, loaded their servants up, loaded up the, the, the wood and the things it took to build the altar and to have the sacrifice. And he went up there and he had full intentions on following through with what God told him to do, even to, to, to pull him back the knife to plunge it into his son. You all know the story? And then, the, and then the sheep appeared, and, or the goat, or whatever it was, and they, and they had an action. So, so you have to take action through the word, right? Because if we're going to agree with God, we've got to know the word. How many know if you don't know what God said, you can't agree with him? You'll never be able to agree with his word if you don't know what his word says. So we've got to get in, in, into our word. That's why we try to, that's why we quit, put, put, quit putting all the verses up here on the board. For You could bring your own Bible, or you could get the one out of the back of the chair, and you could read it for yourself. You've got to get into God's Word. We've got to get into God's Word. We've got, to, we've got to study God's Word, read God's Word, have that fellowship time with Him, have a relationship with Him. Because we'll never learn to trust Him if we don't know what He said. Think about that. If we don't talk for years and years and years, you've, you, you've had people in your life before that you haven't talked to for a long period of time, and then when you come back around them again, it's a little bit awkward sometimes, isn't it? It's a little bit different. I've had family that I used to walk into their door without knocking on the door. Just walk in and you can get in the refrigerator or whatever you want to do. But if you ain't seen them for five or ten years, you go back and knock again. You don't just walk in anymore because things change. Amen? So you take action through the word, through the sword of the spirit, the Bible calls it, which is, which is God's word. So, so the devil's defeated. He's already defeated. So if we would take that word and use it, now picture this. I heard a preacher preaching about this a while back. But he, he was talking about using the, the, the word, the, the, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And if the devil is defeated and he's already captured, you, you, how many you've seen people in movies or whatever, they, they, they would stick that sword in their back of their captives or the defeated people. They'd stick it in their back and they would force them to go wherever they wanted to go with it. How many of y'all know if you've got a big sharp sword stuck in your back, you're going to move along. Yeah. 
You're going to go wherever they're guiding you to. That's what we should be doing with the enemy, with God's word, by, by, by agreeing with God's word, getting to know God's word, agreeing with God's word, and then sticking that sword of the spirit in his back and pushing him out of our life, pushing him out of our mind, our thoughts. Amen? Pushing him out of those things. Pushing, out of, pushing him out of our families. <clears throat> pushing him out of our lives. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. But we have to agree with the word. How many of you know that God's will is his word? Right? He said what his will was. He had men pin it down for him. His will is his word. And if we'd confess his word over our lives, we'd be agreeing with God himself. Amen? That's where the power comes from in our faith. That's what I mean by taking that sword and poking it in his back. By confessing what his word says and agreeing with what God's word says in my life, over my mind, over my family, over my situation, over my finances. Right? Not just me, but it fits everyone. It fits all of us. We can take that sword and we can push the devil right out of that place. How many of y'all know there's scriptures that goes along for everything? Any problem that you have, there's a scripture for it. Wherever you struggle at, remember that scripture. Use it as your sword. Stick it in his back and push him out of your life. Push him out of our lives. Anything worth having is worth working for. It's going to take some work to get into the book, to get, to, to get into his word, to memorize his word, to know what, what his word says, to have that relationship with him. It's going to take some work to do that. Amen? <clears throat> we can choose to do that, or we can choose against God. Amen. We can choose to line our lives up with God's word and use his word like it says to use it. Or we can or we can choose against God. There's no gray area here. It's either black or white. We're, we're either doing what God call, has called us into doing, into this relationship of doing these things, or or we're or we're not. And when we choose against God, we open the door to other attributes in our life. Now think about this. There's a lot of truth right here. An attribute is a quality or character or character or characteristic characteristics characteristics i can say that word Sharon. the quality character or characteristics ascribed to someone or something so when we choose against god what are the characteristics of our life think about it we can live in fear we can live in doubt we can live in lack we can live in sickness we can have mental issues we can do all those things but that's not what god's word says about us that's not what God's word says about any one of his kids. His word says what? That we have peace and that we have victory and that we have joy and that we have a hope that he has a plan for our lives. It says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It says that we're healed. Amen? Why wouldn't we agree with what God says instead of what the world says about us, right? Because when we, when we agree with the, when we don't, when we choose for our thoughts and our, and our words not to line up with God's word, we're opening, the, we're opening the door to other attributes in our life. We're, gonna look, we're not going to look the same. Someone, someone who agrees with God's word all the time, their life's not going to look the same as someone who doesn't. Amen. And you might think, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm not doing anything wrong, Pastor. Just because I'm not doing those things. How's it working out for you? How's your life looking in that? It's not me. I'm not, I'm not here to get on you today. I love you. I, I want you all to get this. I want me to get this completely. I, I mess up in this too. I'm not perfect. I'm not preaching down to you today. I want us to get this so that we could live in all that God's word has for us. But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some work. 
Being saved isn't free. Or, or being saved is free. You get saved for free, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap at all. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything, actually. But anything that God, anything you give up for God, he's going to replace it with so much, something so much better, right? It's worth working for. It's worth working for. And waiting for because it's in his timing. Sometimes we've got to, I'm, I, consider this, that God, this is from a future message that I'm going to preach, but God is in control of everything. He's in control of everything. Nothing happens without him, without him causing it to happen or without him allowing it to happen. Think about that. When we go through things, don't blame it on God. It's because we haven't got the lesson in it fast enough. He lets us go through things so that we can learn some things, so that we can get better, we can get stronger. I don't know why, but he does. He sees the whole picture. We question God so many times and I think of it like it's a, I think of it like this, a, a big wooden privacy fence and there's a football game going on the lot next door, but there's a knot hole in the fence and I'm trying to watch the game through this. I can't make sense of the whole thing. I can see what happens right there in front of me. It's kind of how we are when we try to understand God. God sees the whole big picture. He know he, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. Nothing happens. Nothing gets by God. Nothing can overthrow God. Amen. Nothing surprises God. But we want to question him sometimes. We want to try to get. We, we want to try to do it our own way and get by and get by in our own way or what we can do. But but we got to get to His Word and just apply in His Word to our life. Just agree with His Word. Imagine how powerful our lives could be. How much better our life would be if everything that we did just agreed with God's Word. That's what He wants from us, right? Can you read about it this time? Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I love you, Daddy. Lord, I just praise your name, Father God. I pray that you would cause this, this word today, Lord, to, to get inside of us, Father God, that, that we would do something with it, Father God, that we would begin to work, Father God, whatever it is that we need to do or set aside, Father, but to, to, to get our, our calendars in order, Father God, our, our schedules in order, Dad, that we could give you everything that you deserve to have, Father God, all of our time, Lord, that we could just agree with you all the time, Father. Lord, I pray this to you in Jesus' name, Daddy. Have your way in this day, Lord. I pray that you would just plant seeds here in this, in this church today, Father God. And Lord, help us to mature through this one more message, Father God. I thank you how you showed up so mightily today, Father God, and had your way, Lord. I believe people were healed, Lord. People were touched here today, Father. We thank you for these things, Daddy. Lord, I pray that you just continue to mature us spiritually, Father God. Continue to bring us along, Father God. Continue to use each and every one of us to minister the people in our family, Lord, people in our jobs, Lord, people in the schools, Father God, whoever we come in, 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 into contact with, Daddy, that you would soften hearts in front of us, Father, or that you would give us a wisdom to know when to open our mouths, Lord, and what to say, Daddy, what not to say, Father. Lord, we pray this to you in Jesus' name, Father. Have your way. Please protect us in Jesus' name. Amen.